Good evening, church. Please turn with me to the gospel according to Mark in chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we'll read from verse 1 to 15. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a laser's belt around his waist. And his diet was locusts and wild honey. And he was preaching and saying, After me, one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And it came about in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. And immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. And after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Where we continue to look at the survey of the gospels. Last week we looked at the gospel according to Matthew. Now as we saw last week, uh, 
Mark is also divided into four divisions. The first one being the private uh, uh, the, yeah, the private the preparation period. This is the time from the time Jesus was born up to 30 years. So we have a very long time but with very little information. So that is the first division. Then the second division is what we call the public uh, ministry. This is the time when the Lord Jesus Christ came, was preaching to the multitudes and performing miracles. Then the third is the pivot period. And this is the time when Peter confessed the Lord Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And from there on we see the Lord Jesus Christ withdrawing from his public ministry, focusing only on his disciples and talking more about his death and his resurrection. Then the last is what we call the Passion period. This is the shortest period, but has more information, just one week. And this is the time of his death and the resurrection. So Mark, uh, like the three synoptic Gospels, follows the same pattern. Well, maybe the first thing that we need to take note as we think of Mark is simply, who is this Mark? Uh, well, this Mark was not uh, an apostle. This is John Mark. He's a cousin uh, to Barnabas. And at one point, he had accompanied Paul and Barnabas on ministry. And then he deserted them. He ran away because he couldn't keep up uh, with the, the tasks of the ministry. Later on, when they wanted to go, there was a debate between Barnabas and Paul whether to take John Mark with, with them. And it was such a debate that the two parted. Barnabas went on with his cousin. So this John Mark had proved to be a failure. But again, at one point, there was a time when, if you read the book of Acts, there is a man by Simon uh, Magus. Simon Magus was a magician. After Peter had prayed for him and he received the Holy Spirit and he was baptized. But later on, the same man, Simon Magus, went to Rome. He carried on with his magic. He was performing magic, and the, the people there were amazed by his magic. And after he had left, they put up a statue in honor of Simon Magus. But later on, Peter also went to Rome. And this time, he had to go with an interpreter 
and the interpreter was John Mark, the man who had felt that of course he had picked up. You read later on, he told himself, saying, bring him back to me, he's very useful. So Peter picked him up as his son, and he went to Rome, and Peter was preaching the gospel to the people in Rome with John Mark interpreting. Now, after Peter had preached the gospel with the demonstration of power and the Holy Spirit, the people did not make a statue in honor of Peter. But instead, they demanded that what you have been talking about be written and be given to us. So the task was given to John Mark to write everything that Peter had been talking about. And so he's the one who compiled all these things as a gospel, and he gave it to the Romans. So it was with the instructions or the guidance of Peter. So in a way, Mark, the gospel of Mark, can also be called the gospel of St. Peter, because it is Peter who is behind uh, this gospel. Well, what is the, uh, again, the theology? Uh, we look at the theology of the gospel according to Mark. Well, the first thing he brings out is what we have in verse 1. And this is the theology of St. Mark the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And that is his theology, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he adds to that in verse 10, and immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening, and the Spirit, like a dove, descending upon him. And the voice came out of, out of the heavens, Thou art my, son, art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. So his theology is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And as we come to chapter 15, and verse 38. And the veil of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. Verse 39. And when the centurion who was standing right in front of him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Now, the Romans had a high regards for the army, for the military people. They were not people you could easily push over. They were not sentimental. They were serious. And how they responded mattered a lot. Now, the Romans 
had a very low opinion of a person who died on the cross. It was a scandal for anyone to die on the cross. It was, it was a criminal. But to have a soldier, a centurion, looking at Jesus dying, and then acknowledges that truly, truly this is the Son of God. Or carries a lot of weight to the Romans to prove that indeed this Jesus who has died in a scandalous way is certainly the Son of God. And that's what uh, the theology of the Gospel according to Mark is all about. It's simply that we may know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Well, the next thing we see is the crash with illegalism. Jesus crashed with legalism. Now, you read the Gospels, well, as Mark presents Jesus, he's not having confrontations with the heathen or the pagan religions. We saw last week that there were so many pagan religions in the world, but Jesus did not go out confronting these other religions. Oh, Jesus did not go out to confront the outright sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, and all other thieves. He had no conflict with them. But the conflict, the crush that Jesus had was with the religious people of his own death. And so when we read in verse 15, it says, and saying time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. He's inviting the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious people. He, they are the ones he's telling you, repent and believe in the gospel. Believe the good news. So there is a crash between the legalism and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, the reason being that, see, what was at stake as far as Jesus Christ was concerned? The biggest problem was the religion of his people. They had corrupted the true religion from heaven. It was corrupt. It was rotten. And so they were presenting to the world a religion which was not pleasing to God. A religion which was not in line with the will of God. They had formed up their own man-made rules, man-made righteousness. And so Jesus is at pain to confront because the religion which had come from heaven was totally corrupted and acceptable and could not bring about the salvation of the people. And so his task is to deal 
with his own religion, his own people who were corrupted. And that's why he keeps on saying, I came for the house of Israel to put them in the right place. And so you find him having a crush with the Pharisees. But again, Jesus Christ goes on to redefine righteousness. Because people had come up with their own righteousness. Yes, they were following their rules and laws and their ceremonies and they were content that we are living a righteous life. But Jesus comes to redefine our righteousness. And we find this particularly in chapter 7. In verse 1 we read, And the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered together around him. When they had come from Jerusalem, and they had seen that some of his disciples were eating their bread with impure hands, that is unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands. That was their righteousness. Thus observing the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and the pitchers and the copper pots. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do you do your disciples? not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat their bread with impure hands. And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship men, teaching a doctrine, teaching doc as doctrines the precepts of men, neglecting the commandment of God. You hold to the tradition of men. He was also saying to them, You nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or his mother, anything of mine you might have been given, you might have been helped by his coban, that is to say, given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed it down, and you do many things such as that. 
And after he called the multitude to him again, he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which, going into him, can defile him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. And when leaving the multitude, he had entered the house. His disciples questioned him about the parable. And he said to them, Are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him? Because it does not go into his heart, but into his stomach, and is eliminated. Thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying, that which proceeds out of man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, fornication, thefts, murders, adulterers, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So these people had come up with their own righteousness, following the traditions of their own fathers. But Jesus comes to redefine righteousness contrary to their understanding. And the key verse to Mark is Mark 10, chapter 45. Jesus is defining righteousness as opposed to the understanding of the scribes and the Pharisees. And in verse 45 it says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his ransom for many. Well, the Pharisees were loading it over the people, always wanting to be served, but Jesus comes and redefines righteousness. It is not about you being served as a scribe, as a teacher, it is about you serving. And Christ Jesus himself came into this world as a servant of the people, and he died on the cross as a servant to cleanse people from their sins. So there was always a crash between legalism and Christ Jesus. And so he goes on to redefine what righteousness was. Now, of course, that brought about greater opposition from the people, from the Pharisees, from the scribes. How can you put aside our old religion? How can you despise our teaching, our true religion which has been handed over from our own fathers? What authority do you have for you 
to come and redefine righteousness. And as a way of demonstrating his authority, Mark brings out the purpose of the miracles. For Jesus was performing miracles to demonstrate that he has authority to redefine righteousness. And so he shows us his authority over Satan, authority over demons, authority over nature, authority over sin, authority over the Sabbath, and authority over the temple. And by demonstrating his authority, Jesus was simply declaring that he is the Son of God. And because he is the Son of God, who has come from heaven, he has the right to redefine righteousness. Because the religion of his own father is corrupted, is twisted, is crooked. So he wants to show the people, the world, what true righteousness is all about. So by demonstrating his authority, he was simply claiming that he is the son of God and that's the authority that he has to tell us what true righteousness is all about. Your forefathers, your ancestors have no authority to tell you how you should live. It is me who has come from heaven. The Son of God who has the right to tell you how you should live in this world. And of course, for him to redefine righteousness, surely it would not be accepted by the Pharisees, by the scribes and all the religious people. His own way of righteousness could not be accepted. And so, the only thing that Jesus could do to make sure that his righteousness is established in this world is to set apart his own disciples. And that is the reason right up from the beginning that Jesus set apart the poor <coughs> and he invested his life and if we want to learn about the discipleship, we look to the master himself. The reason being that the kind of righteousness he had redefined could not go well with the church which was there then. So he invested in his own disciples as the gene pigs, as it were, as the example to the world as to what righteousness is all about. He invested in them, spent time with them, and even when he was teaching, either publicly or privately, he was primarily equipping his own disciples so that after he had left, these would go out there to turn the world upside down to bring about true religion. And that's why at the end of, of the book of Mark, the focus is more on the disciples that the Lord Jesus Christ had left. 
And we read in John in Mark chapter 16. And afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he reproached them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. Because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out the demons. They will speak with new times. They will pick up serpents, and if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and he preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the sign that followed. So Jesus left everything as far as true righteousness is concerned in the hands of his own disciples to go into the world. So he equips them and he gives them the Holy Spirit so that they can come and establish the true righteousness, the righteousness that comes from heaven. That is the focus of Mark. And he's simply telling us that many times when people have departed from God, when people are far from God, they also end up with a corrupt religion, with a distorted kind of religion. When people are not walking right with God, their religion and their worship will also be affected. And so God's people must keep on re-examining themselves. How is our religion? Are we holding on to the true righteousness? Or have we come up with the traditions of men and implementing within the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that which is the righteous of men, the religion of men, other than the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ? And we need to keep on looking to him as the Son of God who has the authority over everything and keep on conforming to his standard of righteousness. Till he comes, we keep on striving to walk in his way. Amen.